Hello and welcome. You've tuned into the School of Ministry podcast. Paul is your Bible teacher today. He has years of experience as a pastor, seminary instructor, and more. Later, you will be given information how to reach us. If you have questions you would like addressed, let us know. Maybe you have a need in your life and want to know how the Bible gives answers that apply to us today. Feel free to contact us. Now enjoy the lesson. If you have your Bibles open, then please to Proverbs chapter 1. And you feel free to go online to landmarkstockton.com to Bible Messages where you will find the notes today. Those are available for you. We're talking today about the responsibility of a father. And we're going to go through 10 chapters of Proverbs. You're going to say, Brother Paul, there's no way you're going to get through 10 chapters of Proverbs. And you're right. We'll just look at 10 different points from portions of the 10 chapters. So we're going to be kind of going back and forth. That's why I wanted to give you the notes. See what those scriptures are. Because these things I really believe are important for fathers. I'm going to be inviting my son and my sons-in-law to look at Facebook And looking around, you know, maybe we don't have a lot of young fathers here, but you know of young fathers. Or you know of those that are maybe looking to become fathers. So maybe it's our children or our grandchildren, something like that. You can say, hey, go over to Facebook. We need you to listen in to this. And that's the present I'm asking for my kids. I want them to hear from the Word of God how to be a good father. What is the responsibility of the father? Because these truths I learned many, many years ago and have shared them throughout time, various times. I taught them to a church in particular and they asked me to leave. You may not want part two. (laughs) You may not want me to come back after this, but I do believe that they are God's truths, that they are timeless. That's not something that I've made up. It is the result, by and large, in our churches because we have failed to teach these things. We've lost the youth. And I'll explain why and believe that you will agree with me as you see that. And so bear with me because this is certainly close to my heart, heavy on my heart, as I've had to deal with my own failings as a father. You may have to deal with my tears For you'll see how I abandoned some of these truths and God's punishment rightfully came in my life. And perhaps that ship has sailed. Maybe it's just too late. I taught my son and then I was able to teach many other young men in the prison. Was able to teach many other young men, kind of sons in the faith. And I saw that as they adopted these truths, it worked in their life. It absolutely works. It makes a difference. And it's a special joy to see what God has wrought in the life of your children to enjoy some of the sweet grace of their life. You know, I came from a long line of drunks. I knew that I wanted to raise my children differently than 
what I was raised, although I didn't have a terrible childhood, but I knew what I did not want to perpetuate. And Sylvia and I, before we were married, we agreed that there were certain traits, certain mistakes that we did not want to carry on. I saw many pastors. I saw many pastors that did not train their children. The old saying, you know, the, the pastor's kid, the PK, you know, you don't want them following after. Well, that's not what we wanted for our children. We want, did not want them to be the PKs, the pastor's kids that you too often see. And so we saw that God could do better. God could show us, and I believe that He did. And I take the personal responsibility for my horrible sin. I recognize that Satan worked hard to destroy what God was doing. I'll have much to answer for that. But that does not leave other fathers out. And unfortunately, that high priority for a father is being systematically attacked and destroyed in our culture. It's a shame. The society in which we live has attacked the male role with such force that I believe that if the Lord tarries, we have been sentenced to three or four generations of, of tragic experiences of disastrous proportions. And I'll tell you why I believe that. It's because if one thing is clear in Scripture, the sins of the Father are visited upon the third and the fourth generations. And what that means is this. Where you have wicked men in leadership, where you have a decline in the Father's role, it takes three to four generations to root out that evil that is produced. The good thing is that even if your father didn't teach you you can still learn these truths. You can still apply them. They are still applicable in our lives. And we're not looking for a situation that there was a sinning father and three or four generations of his son were going to pay. Not at all. Ezekiel 18 talks about that. You can go to Ezekiel 18. We're not going to go there, but I encourage you to look at that and it advocates the individual's responsibility. Each one is responsible for themselves. But what we are seeing is that because fathers lead a nation, and a wicked generation of fathers will so impact that nation that for three or four generations, it takes that long to root out the wicked effect. And I believe that this legacy, the generation of fathers, is tragedy upon tragedy upon tragedy in the following generations. Now the beautiful thing and the wonderful thing is that you can begin a heritage unto the Lord. Doesn't matter how young or old you are, you begin the heritage unto the Lord. And in the Lord's plan... Even though in our world, maybe it's not the way it's supposed to be, it's certainly in the Lord's churches we should be following the Lord's plan that whatever may be happening in society around us, we're ensuring a righteous generation in His churches. And as fathers, we have the responsibility to our sons particularly. As fathers, we have a particular responsibility to our sons, the sons who tend to be oftentimes maybe a little more rebellious than daughters because they are learning what it is to become a man. They are learning and they're trying to press out and find out where they fit into this world. So it might appear that they're kind of being rebellious. 
but because they are the ones that have been given by God leadership roles and capacities. Now, I taught our children that all rebellion is sin. And that is absolutely true. Rebellion is not a necessary or a normal thing, even though in our society it's taught that teenage rebellion is a normal thing. No, that is not. But if we faithfully teach our sons, they will, by example and precept, our sons will lead the women as well. They will lead their wives into godliness. And so, where you have a plurality in the nation of godly fathers, they're going to impact the mothers. And I will tell you that, that husbands and fathers, when you love your wife as you should, she falls right along. She'll come right along and she just gladly will accept those things. At least that's been my experience. So where you have godly sons, they will impact the daughters of the next generation. And so the high priority of Scripture, the high priority of Scripture, especially in Proverbs, is that fathers teach their sons and thus raise up a generation of godly leaders. If your sons are already raised, then share with them, for this is what they can do for their sons, for your grandchildren or your great-grandchildren. Because God has ordained this, and because God wanted us to be sure that it was followed carefully, the Lord, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, gave us a manual. And that's the wonderful thing. He has given us a manual to use for our sons. And I'm going to share with you and show you how that's that. so. It's a basic resource book, and that is the book of Proverbs. And we're going to be looking at the first ten chapters of Proverbs in a very general sense. So this book is the lesson book on living from which fathers teach their sons. In fact, it's really apparent. If you're in chapter 1, look at verse 8. My son, hear the instruction of your father, and do not forsake the law of your mother. For they will be a graceful ornament about your head and chains about your neck. Over and over. Chapter 2, verse 1, My son, if you will hear my sayings. Chapter 3, verse 1, My son, do not forget my teachings. 4, verse 1, Hear, O sons, the instruction of a father. Verse 10 of chapter 4, Hear, my son, and accept my sayings. 4 and verse 20, My son, give attention to my words. So if we have ever in doubt, let me just say that we can know that the Bible has given this instruction for fathers to teach their sons. Chapter 5, verse 1, My son, give attention to my wisdom. 6, 1, my son. 6, 20, my son, observe the commandments of your father. 7, 1, my son, keep my words. And it goes on and on. And so I want you to see, and I'm not trying to belabor this, but I want you to see, we have God's inspired word that tells us as fathers what we should be doing. Hi. Let me interrupt for just a moment and update you with some information. You can now contact us at schoolofministryresources.org or biblelandmarks.com. We also now live stream services on landmarkstockton, all one word, dot com. Or you can see us on Facebook at Landmark Missionary Baptist Church of Stockton. We look forward to hearing from you. We would love to send you information. So thank you, and back to our podcast. Now what is a proverb? Because remember, as fathers go, so go nations, so go generations, so goes history. 
So God took these principles, principles for spiritual living, and He packaged them up in these 31 chapters, and He calls them Proverbs. And a proverb is very simple. It's a principle that is given in concise terms. We could say that a proverb is wise in its content and concise in its form. It's a brief, it's to the point. It's a pithy statement of the purpose for instruction. It's brief, it's to the point. And it's done so so that it might be remembered. So that we can hold those things in our mind. And what then we have in Proverbs then is a compilation of concise, wise statements. So this then becomes the basic book of truth that the fathers use to teach children. It's a book of wisdom. So if fathers are to raise a generation of godly men who will lead the women to godliness, then we must teach the truths that are mandated in the Father's manual. It's as simple as that. And frankly, just to depart from a moment, there's a lot of instructions out there. There's a lot of manuals, father's manuals. I used to have a whole series of books called men's manuals. But most of them were taken from Proverbs, amazingly enough. And many today, there is a lot of Christian books that will tell you how to be a good Christian father. And it will tell you to go to the ball games. It'll tell you to find the interests that your son have. Go have fun. Find out where their interests are. But I would tell you that those things are shallow. Those things are not deep. And if you want to raise a shallow son, you can do those things. But if you want to raise a deep spiritual son, get them into the deep spiritual truths of God's Word. It's as simple as that. So what Proverbs has to say is so much deeper than that. And when you teach your son trivial things, you'll have a trivial son. You'll raise a trivial father who's going to then teach his son trivial things. But when you teach your son the deep things, you'll raise a son who becomes a father who teaches his sons the deep things. So it's the primary job. It's not like the one little boy said. I'm going to divert just a minute. That dad's job was to take out the trash. That's not dad's job. That might be my job at home, but that's not the job of every father. It's not dad's job to bring home the bacon. It's not dad's job to just fix what's broken. It's dad's job to be the spiritual leader in the home. It's dad's job to teach the deep things of the Word of God. That's the primary duty of the father, to teach holy living to his sons. And of course, to all of his children. That includes the daughters, but primarily his sons. Now, in this process of teaching, there's one compelling kind of overarching summary lesson. And that is that we are to teach them wisdom. We want our children to be wise. That's a word that dominates Proverbs, the word wisdom. Sometimes the word instruction appears, and sometimes the word understanding appears. Sometimes the word discretion is used. But all of those words are simply elements of wisdom. To know, to understand, to be instructed, to have discretion. It means to act in wisdom. Wisdom means not simply thought, but content. 
conduct. It means to live righteously. We are to teach our sons spiritual wisdom and it's the noblest and greatest job of a father. It's the purest pursuit of life. And in chapter 1, verse 20, wisdom is shouting in the street. Wisdom cries, calls out aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. You see, wisdom is crying out, and there she's being personified, lifting up her voice in the square, crying out. Look at verse 22. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. You see, what this is telling us is that we've got to be instilling wisdom into our children. Understanding the call of the whole book of Proverbs is that call, a call to wisdom. In fact, in chapter 2, Wisdom is personified again. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her for, as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. Now that's where we're going to start. But I want you to understand that this is what we want our sons to know. That wisdom is better than jewels. Wisdom is better than treasure. Nothing compares with her. It is a pursuit of being wise. If you seek her as silver, search for her. And that's what the Father is saying here. Pursue wisdom, pursue wisdom, pursue wisdom. In chapter 8, the whole, the whole chapter is pursuing wisdom, going after wisdom. Verse 11 says, wisdom is better than jewels. And all desirable things cannot compare with her. Pursuit of wisdom. That's the lesson that each father must teach his son. Pursue wisdom. Chapter 10, verse 1 says, A wise son will make a father glad. A foolish son will be a grief to his mother. Fathers, responsible on this Father's Day to think the priority, and we've got to rethink the priority of teaching our sons wisdom. And we look at these 10 chapters, and it will probably take me two weeks. Because I just don't think, I've just got too much. So I'm not going to try to give it all to you today. We'll try to get through about four points. Lord willing, then we'll go through the rest if the Lord gives us next week. But I want to tell you that from my own life, these are things that I've learned that I've endeavored to teach my son. And if a son learns these ten things, he will be a blessing to you. And he will be blessed by God. And if you want your son to be a blessing to you, to be a blessing, to be blessed by God, to be a blessing to this culture in which he lives, then these ten lessons that we are going to be looking at have to be taught to our sons. It's the sum of spiritual wisdom. It is spiritual wisdom in all of its component parts. So the first is that we teach our sons to fear God. The first thing we want. Just as we read in chapter 1, verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Chapter 9 and verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But everything starts with fearing God. Teach your son, son, fear the Lord. What do you mean, fear? Well, on the one hand, that's a positive. On the one hand, that's 
in every aspect its reverential respect, its reverential awe. This means that I have to teach my son about God. I have to teach my son what God is like. I have to teach my son the attributes of God. That I want to teach my son that God is powerful. That God is holy. That God is all-knowing. That He is all-powerful and all-present. I have to teach my son that He is unchangeable, immutable. That His nature doesn't change. That He is just. He is merciful. He is kind. He is loving. That He is gracious. That our God is so merciful. That He orders the providential circumstances of human history, of this whole universe for His good. That God is in control. That He is sovereign in a word. I must teach my son to reverence the greatness of God. And then the other side of this is that I must teach my son to fear the Lord God's displeasure. I want him to know that God has the right to punish. That God's right is to chasten. That God's right is to judge. And in that awe of reverencing God's holy character, there's also a healthy sense of apprehension. There's also that understanding that because He is a holy God, He has the right to punish sin, including mine. He has a right. And if you want to do your son the greatest favor a father ever could, teach him to fear God. Teach him what God is like. On the positive side, all of his attributes. They must know who God is. They must learn to worship God. That's part of fearing Him. Teaching your sons to worship. And then you teach not only by what you say, but by what you do. They see who we are. They see what we do. If you want your sons to do something, you do it. If you do not want your sons to be vile and swearing, don't you allow that. Don't you do that. If you don't want your sons to have a foul mouth and be thinking foul, set the standard in your life and in your home. We had a rule in our home, if it's not good for our kids, it wasn't good for us. It was simple as that. It was a G-rated home. And if they shouldn't watch it, we don't need to watch it. And if I don't swear, I don't need that TV to bring swearing into my home. Or now computers or whatever it might be, whatever media it might be. If I don't do it, why would I allow somebody else to bring that into my home? You see, it's a simple, simple thing that we live by a certain standard. We have a standard and we're going to live by it. Do you faithfully worship the Lord on His day? Are you consistent, faithful in your service to God? We're here at the opening, we're here at the closing of service. Looking around, you are here, faithful in those. And that's the lesson that we want our children to be seeing. That's what we want them to know. They want to see an us, that we are leaving a legacy, that we are establishing for our sons and for our children a legacy because they see in our lives. And what about living in a healthy fear of God who is holy, who has the right to punish sin? Do we have that healthy fear? Do we understand that God has the right to punish me, you? Do you want your children to avoid that? I certainly do. Thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed the message. If you want to hear Paul in person and are in the Stockton, California area, we invite you to join us at Landmark Missionary Baptist Church, 301 East Alpine Avenue. That's near the University of the Pacific. He brings the Bible message every Sunday at 11 a.m. and other times as listed. We trust you've been encouraged 
challenged, or generally built up spiritually. If this lesson has sparked questions on this or other topics, please see our contact information in the description or email us at sclofministry at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you.